Hey, folks, I know there are lots of business owners who listen to this show. Maybe some of you never planned on running a business, but now here you are. One thing you've always got to keep in mind is how much you're spending on your operating costs. That's one of the first things we had to keep in mind with WTF. And with things costing more today than they did when we started, you want to keep your expenses down. To reduce costs and headaches, be smart and use NetSuite by Oracle, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. Reduce IT costs, cut the costs of maintaining multiple systems, improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash WTF for more. That's netsuite, N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E dot com slash WTF. All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fucksters? What's happening? I'm Mark Marin. This is my podcast, WTF. Welcome to it. It's still called WTF. I am still called Mark Marin. It's interesting, this many years into this racket, that we haven't changed much. I'm looking around the garage in its last days, and I have complete faith that... Um, that the new space will be equally cluttered. But there's going to probably be a kitchen in there, which will be nice. Be nice. Maybe guests can uh, can sort of uh, spend a week there. Maybe I can offer a sort of interview slash uh, a bed and breakfast situation where I have a guest and then I say, so enjoy your your stay here. <laughs> and I'd say, that'd be funny, wouldn't it? Would it not be funny to have a guest for a week and have a week of conversations with somebody who actually stays in the garage? Huh. wonder who would volunteer for that business. Sharon Stone is on the show today. Did I mention that? Sharon Stone. And I was uh, nervous. I, I, was, I, was, I was nervous in the uh, I'm a little intimidated kind of way. I'm always a little nervous, but I was like, is she going to destroy me somehow? I don't know why I thought that. And it wasn't a weird paranoia. It was just sort of, am I going to be able to keep it together? She's very intense. I've only seen her in movies. And I saw her once backstage at Conan for like two minutes. And I and I think she walked right through me. Just just walked right, not past me, through me. I, I That was the feeling I got. Again, I am a nervous, uh, slightly panicked, uh, occasionally terrified person. Uh, whose uh, sense of self can be obliterated in seconds, either by my own brain or what I think someone else is thinking. And uh, but I can reconstitute pretty quickly too. I have a, I have a pretty good reconstitution rate. I did five sets last night. I did five sets within one structure last night at the comedy store. I went out. Uh, Sarah's in New York right now. Um, she's doing a work on site for the uh, the big armory art show in New York. It's a uh, it's a big art show with a lot of exhibitions. It's uh, it's one of the big ones. And Sarah the painter, Sarah Kane, the painter is doing a work on site as we speak. She's up to her neck in paint. She has people helping her working painters working with her 
to create a massive piece on site at Pier 94 at the entry. So if you go to the Armory show in New York, which is March 8th through the 11th, that's that's what you'll see when you walk in at Pier 94. Sarah Kane's work on site. Gonna be a lot of paint on the wall, canvases involved, other things. It's where she really she like she nails these things. She just gets in it. Improvisational. That's where we have something in common, her and I. We like to work improvisationally. See what happens. It's exciting. So that's what I was saying though. She's doing that, so I'm uh I'm free to stay out late and work all night at the comedy. Five shows last night. And I went to see Buffalo Tom for about half of their set. Uh, Janovitz was here, and he invited me down. So I went down there, said hi to the fellas uh, at Terragram Ballroom, and then I watched about half of the set. And it was good. It was good. It was good to see him. It's good to see the uh, us old guys out doing the work. Did I mention that I played, some, I played out in public? I, t- I didn't promote it because... Um, because I didn't want to, folks. So, yeah, last week, I, I'm coming around. I'm coming around. Last week, Jimmy Vivino from the Conan O'Brien show texted me and said, do, do I want to come in and sit in at uh, Al's Bar and Grill, I think it's called, in Burbank, and do, uh, do a couple of tunes with him and the fellas? Not the Conan band, but it's just a combo. It's Jimmy, a drummer, a bass player, and a guy on the keys. And I was like, he said, I think you're ready. I think Jimmy Vivino, the guy who's been teaching me licks and letting me play his guitars in the dressing room for decades, he said, I think you're ready. And I'm like, all right, man. All right. What are we playing? And he told me, um, Walk in My Shadow, which is a free song. And like, I've got fucking thousands of records at this point, and, and I've got three or four free records, but not the one with Walk in My Shadow, a song I'd never heard. That's a great blues number. So I learned that. And uh, and then we, we he wanted to do from a Buick Six, which is a Bob Dylan Bob Dylan tune from Highway 61 Revisited. So I learned those, got my chops in order, and uh, I went down there with Sarah. And you know it was just a, a lot of a lot of dudes my age and older who were guitar players. Some people from the business. Dickie Betts' kid was there. I forget his first name. He's a guitar player, and I was nervous, man, because I I choke. I fucking choke. When I got to play guitar in public, there's a 50-50 chance that I'm going to choke, and I didn't want to. But I got up there, and I laid it out, man. I followed through, did a beautiful solo. I've got to admit, I, I stayed on it. I stayed in it. I didn't uh, I didn't uh, exceed my, um, my abilities or tried to, and uh, I felt pretty happy. I actually had a good time. Quote me. I actually, did you hear me? I had a good time playing guitar with Jimmy Vivino, and I, and I did good. You can go to my Instagram feed if you want. I think it's at Mark Marin, and uh, I posted like uh, the first part of the solo. I could post all of it, I think, if I could figure it out. But you can hear how I entered it. I'm proud of it. I'm going to do more of it. And that gold top, I got a Gibson Les Paul gold top reissue, 56. That's the fucking guitar with those P90s, my friends. That is my that is my spirit animal. That is my soul brother. That fucking deluxe. So, five sets last night. One in the original room, and then they, uh, Whitney Cummings uh, had to cancel, so I did her spot in the main room. Then I did one in the belly room. Then I did another one in the uh, original room. 
And then I did the last one in the belly room. And those like third and fourth sets, they got loopy. So I, 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 I oh, the Oscars are happening and um, I, I'm not watching them because I've, I'm going to be working tonight. So I, uh, we'll talk about it Thursday. But those third and fourth sets, I, you know, I really should tape them. I don't know why I don't. And it doesn't matter if I do really, but I got out there because you, you know, once if you're, st- I'm trying to riff through some new stuff. So you just start opening up, the brain keeps opening up and then you get out into this weird zone where you don't give a fuck and you just have a, a, a pretty good stream of consciousness going. And it's surprising, not always funny, but uh, the audience will definitely be like, what the fuck just happened? Which is fine. Fine response. But uh, it was exciting. So, uh, I'm going to let you listen to me uh, talking to Sharon Stone. I, I uh, yeah, I was, uh, I watched Mosaic, which is uh, currently on HBO, and she, she did a, fair, a very as, uh, astounding job with that, with that performance, I thought. She always does. And I've always been very impressed with her emotional uh, accessibility as, a, as an actress and, 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 and just the intensity of it. But that one experience I had seeing her in person made me a, a little scared. But uh, but we 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 did good. We did very well. It was a it was a it was a pleasure to talk to her. Uh, I was it was exciting to engage with her. Uh, she is uh, one of the great actresses, and um, and uh, it was a uh, it was just exciting to have her here in in one of the last days of the garage. So this is me talking to Sharon Stone. Sometimes I wish I paid more attention in school, or in some cases, any attention at all. There are probably a lot of things I could have gotten more out of, like literature, and now it's probably not in the cards to go back to school and study the classics. But luckily for us, there's a new podcast called The Foxed Page that dives deep into the best books of all time. This is basically like the best possible college English class, but more relaxed and fun. No pressure of grades or needing to prepare something to say in class. It's only the books you want to read and know about presented by best-selling author Kimberly Ford. Everything from Cormac McCarthy to Madame Bovary, from classics like Frankenstein to modern hits like Lessons in Chemistry. I love Ireland, but I missed the boat on James Joyce. The Foxed Page has a three-part series on Dubliners, and that's a pretty great starting point. Want to get the most out of what you read? The Foxed Page is for you. Get it now wherever you get your podcast. I have a couple of pieces of memorabilia from Marlon Brando. You do? Yeah. How'd you get hold of that? When he died, I I bought them from his estate. Uh Uh-huh. I bought the letter that he sent, the telegram that he sent to Marilyn Monroe when she was in the neurological hospital. Really? That was so beautiful. Was it like a, a poemish thing, or no? It was a telegram that uh-huh. he wrote to her um, that we should never be afraid of being afraid because it was in that place that we find the better part of ourselves. Wow! And I bought his the belt that his crew made for him when he directed uh, Jack of Hearts. Ah! And it was a the leather band is all hand tooled cards. Oh yeah, and then the belt buckle is is an MB silver MB. Nice. Uh, yeah, with a engraved on the back to him. And do you wear it or just keep it tucked away somewhere? You... I wear it. I take it when I go on films. You do, and wear it to work, and Seriously? and no one knows what it is, but I wear it to work. It's sort of like a talisman, like a... it's my talisman. 
That's uh, that's something. Yeah. Did you ever meet him? Uh, I didn't, um, but I, I, of course, I hold him in a, the highest esteem. I, I always I watch and rewatch the opening uh, scene to the fugitive kind, where he stands in front of the desk, looking up and talking to the judge. It's just one single, long shot on him where he talks to the judge in a, a monologue. Yeah. And it's so unbelievable. Because you can't, can't take your eyes off him? Yeah, and it's just so good. Yeah. He's just so... You know, it was just that time when acting really changed and and he was changing it and it's so beautiful. Effortless and electric. Yeah. Just like you could just watch him do nothing. Yeah, and it's it's <laughs> not nothing. I know. Because he's so invested in his work and he's so sincere and unfettered uh-huh. and so honest and his honesty is so brutal. And uh You seem to have find that now. Thank you. I I feel like what else is there? Right. You know, and for so, you know, I mean, people find honesty so unpredictable. <laughs> it is. <laughs> right? And I think it makes people uh, uncomfortable because they they have to react to it somehow. They they have to it's it, I think people get thrown off when things don't just happen that are mundane and kind of predictable. When some real feelings come out, people get a little they're like, oh, what am I I have a responsibility now. Uh, some people do. Yeah. And then some people just numb over. <laughs> right. I think I, I think I was over explaining that that phenomenon. <laughs> so then they, like they're sort of they don't know what to do. Yeah. Did you always have Apoplexia. this Yeah. I get that a lot just from looking at the news. Not so much from honesty with people. I can handle that. Well, I'm not sure the the news is really the news anymore. I mean, so many news stations have given up their news station status and taken on an entertainment status in their registry. Yeah. And we don't really even know, in fact, that news stations aren't registered as news stations so that they are not required to report actual news. Right. And so they're just talking. Yeah. Ideological, aggravated entertainment. Exactly. Yeah. And therefore, it's very hard to turn on anything and expect to hear news. Yeah. And it's uh So apoplexia is the right reaction to it. It's overwhelming. Or not mind numbing. Yeah. Do you do you check out? Do you do it? Well, I get. I find like I I used to love to watch CNN, yeah. but now CNN is just the Donald Trump beatdown channel. Uh-huh. And you know, as much as you know anyone, I think that you know it's stupefying to watch his decisions being made. It's more stupefying to watch a bunch of people continually ad nauseum discuss how. stupid Stupid. The, the one dis- thing is one yeah. endless yeah. decision. And we're going to have three more uh, people come in uh, and talk about this. And, and there's have, another four. Yeah, yeah, to tell you why it's stupid. So this Brando, uh, the emotional honesty. So when I watched you in Mosaic, which I, oddly, at the end, I was uh, it was kind of uh, provocative about art. Of all things, I left that thing thinking about art. Good. Is that what I was supposed to do? <laughs> I think we're supposed to think about expression and that, you know, children really do tell the truth. Yeah. And 
we should raise them not to be like us, but we should try to be more like them. Yeah. But also the, the sort of power structure, the people that buy art, the people that have the art and the people that uh, revere the art. And then, and then the actual, it sort of ends on the child's art. I just thought it was my girlfriend's a painter. So she lives in that world. Right. Where these, you know, these, this, these one percenters who I don't know if they could give a shit about art are really buying all the art. And, and there was just something about perception and uh, about what art means. And I think what you said is the final note of it. But it was, uh, it was so corrupted and weird to me. The, the, the whole power structure of, it, you know, not just the murder, but about the art world and about how, you know, power never gets taken to task. Well, I think there's truth in that, isn't Sure, it? of course. The whole thing was true, but I, I was surprised that, you know, I'm watching you and then we're, we're all trying to figure out who killed you. And then at the end... Well, you know, in the app, you see who killed me. Yeah, but the, I think I didn't, I didn't do that part. We'll see. What, I, what was, do you know then? I, okay. I guess I don't know. You mean I don't know who killed you? It wasn't... It, it's in the app. I have to go to the app? Yeah. So I'm in the dark? I watched the whole thing. You're in the shadow. I'm in the shadow. Yeah. I knew there was an app element. There was an app component. There's, the app component is actually quite intriguing and a lot of fun to do. I Because I got the app first because it was completed first. Yeah. And so when we did the publicity tour, I hadn't seen the HBO product. Yeah. The, the HBO show is fabulous i think yeah i think they did a terrific job at, and and a whole a completely different uh, woman yeah. uh, editor come in and she re-edited from a completely different perspective uh -huh. which was very very interesting to look at the rashomon of it to see someone take this same material the same footage and edit it from a yet another perspective different point of view because the app has it from several perspectives that's the point of view of the right. app is okay. that you can watch it from many different perspectives from the characters and yet again the hbo thing is one more perspective so but you there is a conclusive there's a conclusive reality where you can see who did do the murder and that's like one of the options on the app that you should yes. probably wait to, to watch that one until you kind of play around with your ideas first well that happens as you go through the the different uh, it's like a family tree where you can come down and choose the different yeah. ways that you view it in perspective but you do come to the understanding of who committed the murder as you walk through the app and is there is there more so there's actually more footage I and mean, scenes of you? yes yeah you shot a lot more than that what's on the hbo show yes so this requires that you do the app thing, if you want the full experience. It, I think it's pretty great. Yeah, no, it sounds great. I, I think mean, it's really intriguing. and um, I just guess I'm like becoming... I mean, I could tell from yeah. the HBO thing who committed the murder, but yeah. it was it's a little bit like anything. If you want to know, you can, and if you kind of want to la, 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 you yeah. don't. I like the guy who played the, the cop. He was kind of great. Oh my God! It's just so. Um, Devin Rattray. Devin Rattray. Yeah. Yeah, and he was like, he wasn't even like Home Alone. And I mean, he's been around forever. Oh, he was in Heartland, and it's like uh, a little kid actor. Oh yeah, he's just been in everything. Yeah. We were lucky to have him. And you got you were so in it, like you were making me uh, emotionally uncomfortable in a good way. The way that you played the vulnerability of that character. They're just they're wide I was, open. Just. I was lucky because Ed Solomon wrote that piece for me. Uh -huh. And he's 
the most marvelous writer ever. He, uh, you know, he wrote so many great films and so many great things. Like what? What's like he Men in Black. Oh, and yeah. Big movies. Big, big yeah, things. Yeah. He's just a wonderful, wonderful writer and, and a lovely man. It's nice to have somebody know you well enough to be able to create a character for you. Well, they started writing it yeah. for me, and then I met with them, and then he continued to put it in a in a language for me. And I love the kind of that dark, dry, somewhat vulgar humor that yeah. they wrote the character in. I just thought, I love those kind of jokes where you know that nobody's going to laugh right that minute but they're gonna laugh later yeah <laughs> i i love that kind of humor i, I think that's because they're so taken aback in the moment that you say it <laughs> yeah, yeah, that you like, said it what the that, fuck just happened right like, that yeah. they they <laughs> that you that you're gonna say a line like you just yeah. took a shit on my carpet and wiped your ass <laughs> on my drapes and nobody's gonna people are just gonna be like Wow. <laughs> but then late tomorrow at the cooler, they're going to laugh. Yeah, it's like a very disarming and kind of... <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. I love... I think that was so wonderful about her, that she had this really great way of loving that was disarming and captivating. I I, I like that character. Unpredictable and, and sort of infamous. Mm-hmm. And did you, were you able, was there room for improv, improvising or was it pretty scripted? <clears throat> it was very well scripted. Yeah. Very, very well scripted. And um, and we had to shoot a lot in a day Yeah, because there was so much to do because the script was 500 pages long. Right. And because of the app, we had a lot to do because we had to do takes from a lot of different perspectives. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we were shooting 20 or 30 pages a day. Mm -hmm. So it was a lot. And wow, that's 20 pages a day. That's a lot. That's crazy. In in, uh, in, in film TV time? time. Yeah. yeah. And um, Steven Soderbergh shot himself. He was one of the cameramen. They shoot on the red camera, which is a new, wonderful yeah. digital camera. And <clears throat> he's a just camera. a marvelous director. Had you worked with him before? <clears throat> I had not. And I was just so pleased to work with him. Well, how, what's his approach to <clears throat> actors? Well, everybody said that he wasn't going to talk to me. Don't yeah. worry, he doesn't talk to you. <laughs> if he doesn't say anything, that yeah. means he likes it. Uh -huh. And I found him to be quite communicative and extremely funny uh -huh. and dry. And sometimes he would just say the littlest thing that would be hilarious. Yeah. Like when I walk up to the bar to meet... Um, uh, the the character of the young man who's going to move in with me. Yeah. And as I'm walking up to the bar, Stephen says to me, just whispered to me, give him an elevator. And I just love that kind of direction. <laughs> yeah. Because it gives you... What does that mean? You know, it's the look him up and down, All but right. it's the look him up and down in a certain <laughs> way. Right, right, It's a yeah. certain... It's a, it reminded me so much of like the sweet smell of success, uh -huh. the way that Tony Curtin, Curtis yeah. and Tony Curtis and, and Burt Lancaster and, and Joan Blondell. And it reminded me of the way that they talked. Right. And it right. reminded me of a certain kind of woman. Yeah. It's more than just look him over. Right. It's a way, it's a feeling of, it's more direction than you it's a lot of direction uh -huh. in a real shorthand. Right. It's about being a kind of woman. Yeah. It's about a, so a sort of a, 
set up the scene in a certain way. Right. It's about you're that kind of babe. Yeah. You're the babe that gives him the look over and gets the drink and talks to him like that kind of broad. Right. And he gives it to you really tight and sharp. Uh Uh-huh. And it tells you about the whole scene. It's not just look him over up and down. Yeah. It's that's the kind of scene this is. Right. Yeah. (laughs) And he talks to me in any case he talks in a way that i really could you know it's right on the beat for me yeah so if he gives you something it cap- captures the whole sense of the experience so i knew what the whole scene was you right. know like yeah 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 i want to drink you pour me something strong and you know, tough. You know, give me, yeah, give me yeah. something strong and muscular. Right, yeah. Pour yeah. me something strong and muscular. Yeah. Like, it's a whole, it's a rhythmic, it's a feeling. It's about, it's about, take me back to that kind of woman. Yeah. Who and, knows how to pick up a man by the way that she, the way that she talks. Right, yeah. You know what I mean? You're yeah. picking him up by, yeah. by just giving him yeah. some clues throwing them around a little bit yeah Talk, yeah. yeah and the the, the 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 sort of painful thing about that is that i don't know that how often you see the other side of that woman which you do in this thing right where where there you know the vulnerability the, right. the sadness the loneliness right you know just under it right. like that that scene where you know just even thinking about it where you know the girlfriend shows up when you've just made breakfast or whatever right or, and you bring that stuff in there and you're just standing there like an idiot. Right. That was like horrendous. Right. <laughs> and then she tells that joke. Right. <laughs> just yeah. to nothing. Right. To nothing and just And no one knows what the hell she's talking about. And the vulnerability of that. Right. It's crazy. And beautiful, yeah. I think. Uh, yeah, definitely. Like a weird flower in the wind, like yeah. just with all the the poof flowing yeah. off of yeah. her. Yeah. Like all the wind is just blowing all the off yeah, the yeah, flower. Yeah. And like, yeah. yeah. There you are. Just yeah. a s- stem. Yeah. <laughs> just in the bare stem. In the bare stem. <laughs> but uh, do you think that your acting has become like, that's what sort of I was getting at at the beginning there, that more informed as to, as you get older? Because I remember seeing you. <laughs> now that now that the poof has been blown off my stem a million times. <laughs> I think so. But like, because when I, I, I mean, after a casino, I mean, you've worked a lot. But I remember when I saw you in Alpha Dog, I was like, this is like a different Sharon Stone. Like in terms of what you were doing emotionally, even well, in that fat suit. I went through a period where I I went to this man who was my friend, David Schiff, and asked him to be my agent. Yeah. And we agreed that I would just take character parts. Okay. And so, because I just, I it was dull to be offered the same thing all the time. These, Typecast. Yeah. Yeah. And so I did things like Alpha Dog and... Right. Um, and I worked with Jim Jaramush and oh yeah, and, and that, uh, these kind of oh, broken flowers, right? And That's I, great. I did these kind of sort of obtuse and these different esoteric characters, uh-huh. all these different kinds of things, yeah. and and uh, Lovelace and and all oh, these yeah. parts where I could just disappear into these characters because I needed to. For me, even Basic Instinct was much more of a character part, yeah, be- than. You know, of course, because I pulled it off, then everybody thought, oh, that's the type she is. But 
it was a big stretch for me as a person. It to was do a, that character. It was a big stretch for me. Yeah. It was way outside of my comfort zone uh-huh. because I never thought of myself in that way. But I understood the character, which was a very complicated character. Which way? Thought of yourself in which way? Uh, 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 hypersexual. Okay. But to, but the character, the hypersexuality was just a symptom of the crisis of the character. Right. The character right, right. was a sociopathic serial killer. Yeah. The hypersexuality was just the... Um, the way she protected herself. For- well, and it was also a big part of the illness. Mm. It was a way that the illness um, manifested itself mm. through the hypersexuality. Mm-hmm. But, the, but the problem was that she was a sociopathic serial killer. That's a problem. Yeah. <laughs> right? And that is a big character to, to break down. Yeah. And to figure out. What is your process with that? Well, I mean, were you, like, when did you did you train when you were younger? Oh God, yeah, I had a spectacular acting teacher named Roy London. Oh, I've heard of Roy London. People talk about him all the time in New York. Uh, here, here, here. Who he else? came from New York, but he right. everybody. He was Robert Downey and yeah, Forrest yeah. Whitaker and Gina Davis and Brad Pitt, and he was everybody's acting teacher. He just was amazing. Acting when did you teacher. start with him? Oh, I was with him from the beginning. Fifteen years. Oh yeah, he was just with the most wonderful. He was like a Gary Shandling. Oh yeah, right. And he was worked with Gary on his show, and you know we were all just devotees of his. Uh-huh. And um, what was his process like? What do you have? Of, what do you have of it now? Um, that you you know sort of apply everything. Yeah, you know what you're saying is not necessarily what you're meaning, mm-hmm. as everyone knows. Yeah. You know, I love you could mean I'm going to stab you in the fucking yeah. eye. Yeah. Right. You know, yeah. or, or um, you're everything to me, or right. I gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. You know, it, yeah. you never know what, what yeah, you're yeah. saying really means. Yeah. And <clears throat> you have to know what you're doing and why you're doing it and yeah. what the point is. And Yeah. So I interrupted you. So you, you, you signed on with that agent who got you those other roles in After Basic Instinct. That was really important, I think, to my development. Yeah. Um, because... I had to, for my own edification, I had to understand myself and my my work and to be able to vanish so much inside my work that people didn't even know that it was me. Right. Like in Lovelace, for example. Yeah. So that when I came back to my work, I didn't feel um, uh, taken advantage of if I played a character, again, that perhaps had sexuality or hypersexuality to it. Yeah, so you fought, you pushed back against the typecasting. Yes. Uh, and I, I would imagine that it, it's, it's, did, did you realize at that time that like this is what Hollywood does? That, you know, once you surface as, as a powerhouse, a sexual powerhouse character logically, that you're. Or going, anything. Yeah. You're uh, if, be, you know, if you're Iron Man, then right. you're going to be Iron Man forever. Forever. Yeah. And you felt that. Obviously. Yeah, because I think it's about. It's called show business, not show what do you feel like doing today. Yeah. You know, so uh, it's about the business of it. Yeah. But to be really good, even playing a hypersexual character, you have to be able to be reinvest at a deeper and better level. So you have to become more. Yeah. Um, so it's about that process of how to become more. When, when did you just, where'd you grow up? In Pennsylvania. In like rural Pennsylvania? Yeah, in Amish country. Really? Mm-hmm. But not with farmers. Oh yes. 
Yeah, you have family of farmers? Or no, just farmers down the street. My father was a dye sinker in a tool and dye shop. What does that do? What is that job? He, um, a metal block. Yeah. Would would come in and they would put the blueprint on top of the the steel block. Yeah. And then my dad would cut the die cast, the precision cast into the piece of steel. Uh huh. And then they would make. Um, Car parts, machine parts, gun parts, uh-huh. uh, tank parts, whatever, uh-huh. f- out of this die, out of this cast. So it was like with 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 uh, what were his tools? Was it welding? Was a it giant machine yeah. that would laser that would cut uh, out of the steel. thing? Steel. Yeah. Over time, I mean, my dad's forearms were the size of most people's legs. You know, my yeah, dad yeah. was ripped. Yeah. You know, my <laughs> yeah, dad yeah. looked like Schwarzenegger. Oh yeah. And so, but as time went on, then they started to laser cut it. Yeah. And then um, these, all of these companies came to my dad and asked him to come and teach their people how to move forward. And yeah. ultimately, these businesses went out of business. Yeah. But, but he uh, had a full life of it, retired from it. He had a full he life. He didn't get put of out it. of business by he, a machine? Um, no. That's good. At the very end, he had his own small shop. Yeah. No, my dad got put out of business by uh, cancer. Oh, that's uh, bad. Yeah. How old was he? In his 70s. Uh, he, in his late 70s. I'm sorry. Yeah. And did you, and what did your mom do? My mother was a homemaker yeah. and an Avon lady. Avon. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then she went back to school and graduated high school with my graduating class Really? And then went back to business school and became my dad's bookkeeper. So you graduated with your mother? Yeah. That must have been interesting and exciting somehow. They Both she and my dad yeah. went back to school at night, he to become a journeyman die sinker, and she to get her high school diploma. Neither of them had graduated high school. They got together when they were teenagers. Yeah. My mom had her first child when she was 17. Who was that? My brother Michael. Yeah. And my parents were together for sixty years. It's beautiful. In their way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. In it? that country. Uh-huh. Very country. Um deeply committed. So we're children. What was lacking when you say in their way that you would have like what was it a community did they talk? Was there... They my parents were madly in love. Oh that's great. They had a beautiful relationship. Yeah. Um I don't think that my mother ever got to fulfill herself yeah. and be who she would and could have been. My mother, brilliant woman, who came from extraordinary poverty. She was given away when she was nine years old to be a housekeeper in a dental home and office. In Pennsylvania? In Pennsylvania as the third generation of Irish maids. Mm. Uh, because that was a better life for her from the extraordinary poverty in which she grew up where she and her four sisters had rickets and scurvy from the poverty in her home. Hmm. Um, her father poured uh, molten uh, metal yeah. in a... Steel mill? Steel. That looked pretty much like hell. Yeah, when you went, sure. When I went in there as a little kid, they wore these kind of asbestos suits and huge metal... Um, hats and helmets and asbestos gloves that went up to their shoulders and you would go in there and it literally it looked like you were walking into hell you, they were pouring big buckets of hot metal it, was it a steel mill yeah and you used to go over there yeah to see your grandfather yeah 
Wow. Um, <laughs> and it was uh, horrific. Yeah. Just horrific. Yeah. And the poverty was the kind of poverty where the bathtub was in the kitchen and the ice box where they brought ice in was in the kitchen. Wild. And, but you knew your grandparents. I knew them. Yeah. Were they nice to you? No. No. <laughs> no, they were not. Uh, it wasn't, you know, that's yeah. not where nice really happens. Yeah. My grandmother tried to be nice, you know, and yeah. on Easter she made fantastic uh, homemade Easter eggs out of chocolate and and uh, things where she decorated them and they were very, very beautiful. Yeah. And that was the special thing that she did each year. And But it was a level of poverty and a, extraordinary and extreme poverty. That there was no room for... For niceness. Yeah, too brutal. No. Yeah. And on the other side, on my dad's side, they had been extraordinarily wealthy. Uh-huh. Uh, they were the first oil drillers in Oil City, Pennsylvania. And my grandmother was a phenomenally wealthy woman uh, with chaparelli suits and silk hose. And, and, um, and then one day when my father was very small... Uh, and he had a brother and a sister, and his father was in business with his brother. Mm -hmm. uh, the two men were at an oil site, and they pulled with you know they pulled with mules the the rigs mm -hmm. like like in giant mm -hmm. kind of up mm -hmm. to the oil site. Yeah, and they were dropping the nitroglycerin into the well, and it blew too soon. And um, my grandfather had gone back to the house. He was sick, uh, and he went back to get a sweater. And while he was gone, the well site blew and killed everyone at the well. His brother, the mules, the people who were up there. It was just a horrific accident. And um, a few months later, my grandfather died of pneumonia, and I'm sure grief. Yeah. And because in those days, nothing went to women. Yeah. The women had no power. The business went to the 18-year-old son of my great-uncle. Uh-huh. And apparently the legend has it that he drank and gambled it all away within a couple of years. And so my grandmother became destitute. Wow. From being extremely wealthy. And my dad, who was four, and his little brother, who was three, were given away and grew up in people's barns doing their chores. Really? It's and it's my grandmother took her daughter and moved into the sanatorium down the street and became the a nurse in the sanatorium and laundress. Uh-huh. And uh for the mentally ill people. Yeah. It's so odd to hear just people giving away their kids to workplaces. There was nothing to do in those days. You know, that was the Depression era. Right, and it was Pennsylvania, which I, I forget how, I don't forget, but I, I don't know if people know how rural that is. It's coal mining. Yeah. Uh, Erie Lackawanna Railroad. Yep. Uh, towel and zipper factories. Wow. That's... And, and you had how many siblings? I have four. Three, four of us, three siblings. Everyone's still around? Yeah. That's You get along? Yeah. That's nice. Yeah. And where, where where do you fall in the middle? Well, I have a brother seven years older, and yeah. a brother seven years younger, and a sister three years younger. Oh, that's wild! And then you did, and you needed to get out. Yeah. Like after high school, like when did you like? I got to get the fuck out. Well, I went to high school and college simultaneously uh, from the time I was fifteen. Really. 
And then very shortly after that, I moved to my college campus. Which college? Uh, Edinburgh State University, which was um, close to home. I had scholarships to go further away, but I was so young, my parents didn't want me to. Right. Which I'm sorry about. They are worried about you. Yeah, because I was so little. And you were 15, 16, Mm -hmm. ready to go to college? Mm -hmm. Well, they probably did the right thing, no? Who knows? (laughs) When did you leave? Well, that was it. I left and just didn't come back. At, at what age? Uh, well, it's sort of hard to think. I guess seven, 17, maybe. Yeah. And you went to New York? Well, when I really left and went to New York, I was probably 19. Yeah. Yeah. And what happened there? I modeled for Eileen Ford, and then I moved to Milan. For the, oh, for the big same scene? Same year. Wow. And lived there, and then I moved to Paris the next year and lived there. That's exciting, right? Um... Or were you just uh, sitting in apartments with women throwing up? Uh, you know, this was the 80s. Yeah. It was a very wild time. Yeah. Um, you got to remember, this was the Studio 54 uh, uh-huh. time. Right. And you were like 19? Yeah. Oof. It was very, very wild. Did you have a good time, Sharon? <clears throat> uh <laughs> I had a very intriguing time. Yeah. You know, it was a very... um, Fortunately, I had a really great best friend who had gone to school in Italy. Uh She had gone... She was an exchange student, and she'd gone to art school in uh, Florence, and she was my roommate in New York. So she gave me a lot of tips. To stay... Safe? Yeah, she told me to tell all the Italians that I was a virgin. Yeah. And she taught me (laughs) some Italian. Yeah. And so that was my MO. And so Italian men revere a virgin. (laughs) (laughs) And so that really helped me out. Yeah. um, Quite a bit. It saved you some... some A lot of aggression. Right. Okay, there you go. Yeah. And it worked. It helped me out quite a bit. That's a that's amazing. And you committed to it and it worked. I did commit to that. That that you were able to play the Italian men like that. I played the the virgin that's great. in Italy card. But like how about New York? <laughs> the Madonna card. Yeah. How did you not I mean you seem uh, now and I imagine you always were pretty grounded but like it, it just seems that 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 business ate a lot of people up used a lot of people up. I mean, it seems like there are women like who transcended it, but a lot of women did not. Well, my older brother had been in a lot of trouble. And, um, you know, I had to keep like my... jail trouble? Yeah, my brother went to prison. Uh-huh. My brother went to Attica. Wow. Um, and so I had matured pretty quickly over that situation. Uh-huh. Um, and because of that... I uh, I was pretty feet on the ground. Yeah. And I think when that sort of thing happens, that's not a small thing. Yeah. And that's not an overnight thing. Is he out? Yes. Yeah. Um, he got 14 to life, and then he got transferred to a white-collar camp, and then he got sent back to Attica, but then he eventually got out after a couple of years and he got 10 years of parole. 
And then after he got out of parole, he came out and moved in with me for a while. In New York? Uh, I was in L.A. by then. Wow. And, um, you know, it was that was tough mm. because having him with me was a lot of responsibility. Um, and I only think he's beginning to understand any of that now. Really? How young I really was, mm. how difficult it was to be so young and have the responsibility of him. I think that he kind of thought that I was a always a powerful big movie star. I don't think he really understood that, you know, I was like a young kid when it was all starting. Well, you had that personality where people like, she'll, she'll be okay. She's yes. got her shit together. Ever since I was little. Right. I was the kid yep. that didn't need any attention because I would be okay. Right, exactly. And that's a hard kid to be in the family. Especially when it starts to break down. It's, yeah, and you're little. Yeah, and you're you're and everyone's looking at you like you're the parent, right? Or the one who knows things. Yeah. Instead, you're the one whose birthday they forget. You're right. the one they forget to pay attention to. You're the one that no one ever looks at. And you got nowhere to go to. Who you are you going to go to? No one. And it just seems like I've been the one in my life who had no one to ever go to. Wow. And I feel a little bit like that has affected my life intensely. You know, I'm the one with three adopted kids and no partner. Yeah. Because no one ever seems to think that I need someone <laughs> to lean on or it's hard. to put my head on their shoulder or yeah. for them to listen to me. Yeah. And when I say that I do, it's a little bit like, la, 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 can't be true. Right. And so... Um, so you brought a lot of that to that mosaic part. Yeah. And I feel a little bit like... Uh, I'm over that yeah. a bit. Yeah. If I'm going to be alone, I'd rather be alone. Right. Yeah. yeah well, why try, like, I, I think after a certain point, when you know yourself well enough, it's just exhausting. It is exhausting. It is exhausting. To, to, to be with people sometimes. Yeah, when you've been doing this since you were little. Yeah. Yeah. So after what you model for a while, what, what gets you into movies? Well, um, even in, when I was in modeling, yeah. you have a lot of good toys on the desk here. Good. Uh, even uh, when uh, I was modeling, right from the start, I did a lot of commercials. Yeah. Um, at first, I had a bit of a Pennsylvania accent. What does that sound like? You know, Jeet Jet. <laughs> <laughs> Come on down here. Really? Yeah. Really? You know, we shot that deer. Did you shoot that deer? Yeah, I hit that deer with my car and then I put it on a hood. And then went out and got something to eat. Did you eat? Did you have some pop with, when you, with your dinner? Did you have pop or did you have, what did you have? It's a little bit like that. You talk like that. You talk it's, like that and then all not, sentences kind of run together. It's and then not you quite talk like Southern. It's, you know, yeah. It, but it's a little bit Southern. A little bit, yeah. And so then even when I got my my accent to be mid-Atlantic, yeah. sometimes people will say, what's with the Southern? She's a little bit of a Southern accent. When I slow down, I have a little. It's because when you're from... Pennsylvania, you're right up West Virginia. Uh -huh. You know, you've got, you're like a little Mason Dixon. Yeah. And so even when I get my mid Atlantic going, yeah. you know, I can get a little bit where it sounds a little southern <laughs> yeah, yeah. if I if I'm not careful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there is a little bit of that kind of like that country twang that just keeps going all the time when you talk like that. You got to do a part where you do that. <laughs> where I talk like that. Yeah. Gee, Jet. Uh huh. Yeah. Did I you did, hit a deer. I didn't eat, and I didn't Gee, hit a deer. You want a sandwich? Yeah, I do want a sandwich. <laughs> want a sandwich? <laughs> yeah. So. Um, <laughs> You know, uh, I started listening, and I told Walter Cronkite this a long time ago. I watched Walter Cronkite on the news, yeah. and I would, you know, make dinner, 
and say what he said and re- keep repeating it back. But the problem was all my sentences had stops in the middle <laughs> <laughs> because he was reading a teleprompter. Yeah. And uh, I toasted him at a party and said that once. And he was like, well, Sharon, there's something I'd like to say to you. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> oh, that's great. So yeah. you had to get rid of the accent. You're doing commercials. You're I did modeling. hundreds of commercials. Were you a big model? At that time, um, I wasn't really the right size because the girls were like nine feet tall and weighed 100 pounds. Yeah. But I was um, successful. I was what was called special bookings because I had a good face. Yeah. And I did a lot of commercials and a lot of beauty. Yeah. And there were about 15 of us which were called special bookings which was a big deal in that day. And I made a lot of money and I did well in a certain way. And you were there in New York for Studio 54 and all that shit. Yep. And you went to those parties. Yep. And you just saw the insanity, just cocaine insanity. Yep. People yep. having sex in the uh, in the club. In all the around, club, everywhere. in the balcony. Yeah. Yeah. And you were able to have some distance from that. Yeah, because, yeah. you know, my brother had already been arrested. What did he get arrested for? Um, cocaine, uh, possession of... Uh, oh, that's what he did time for, ma- coke? Yeah, uh-huh. Oh, so that, oh, that's very specific. So uh-huh. it's not murder. It's sort of like, this shit's bad. Yeah. You saw him go down. It you was on to- television. They, FBI kicked down the door and they televised it. Wow. So he was like a regional dealer type like of Like day before Christmas. <sighs> Okay, so that, okay, so that's where the lesson sunk in, that that shit's bad. Well, I just was like, you know, I was never into cocaine. It was not my thing. You're lucky. Yeah, I didn't. I'm not. That wasn't my... You don't, you don't, you don't have an addictive personality. You know, no. I had, there were some alcoholics in my family. Sure. And, um, you know, holidays where you pick a couple yeah. alcoholics right. up off the floor <laughs> yeah. as a regular, um, <laughs> right. that's what... You know, Christmas and Thanksgiving, this, uh-huh. that's, that's a part of it. Uh-huh. You know, it's just not my thing. Well, that's great because you have that personality, right? So you're the one that's in control all the time. I like, was always that kid. Right. But, you know, it could, like kids who have to deal with that go one of two ways. Either you go the control way or it you wasn't go the like, out of control yeah, way. My parent, my, my dad was never drank, you know. Right. That's um, good. But um, yeah, family, extended family, like uh, uncles and whatnot. Yeah. And I just, it wasn't, no. Yeah. Well, no, you you want to keep your wits about you. It's just so unattractive to me. Yeah. I really, people who drink and then talk and tell you how much they care about you is uh, really, to me, one of the, like, ugh. The worst. Ugh. Yeah. I just, ugh. So I didn't realize, so you broke into movies with Woody Allen, kind of. Yes. I had no, I, I, and I remember it. You know, but like until I read it yesterday, I'm like, oh my God, that you that were was that. my first job. You were the pretty lady on the train. Yeah. Going at the same place at yeah. the dump. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did yeah. you, and did, how did you get that job? I, uh, this extras casting guy named Ricardo Bertoni, yeah. uh, <laughs> who I met in New York, called me and said that Juliet Taylor was casting yeah. uh, extras. Yeah, right. And so I roller skated over. You roller skated over. It was that period. Okay. And yeah. uh, real roller skates, not even roller blades. No. Right. The big clunky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bang, bang, yeah, bang. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I came over and roller skated into the extras line, and when I got to the front, Juliet Taylor handed my picture to Woody, who happened to be sitting there. Yeah. Astonishingly enough, and then uh, 
three on the train. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's then, when it started. Yeah. And then I had so much fun. And then Gordon Willis, who was an amazing cinematographer, yep. who shot, of course, all the Godfather movies and everything that ever mattered in yeah. that period, yeah. was there. And I don't know, they got a kick out of me. And, and then Michael Pizer, the first AD, came and said, you know, they really like you. And they want to know if you'd like to work for a couple of weeks. We can't pay you what you're paying to be to model, yeah. but would you like to keep working? And I said I would, and yeah. I did. Yeah, for that movie. Yeah. And that started it all. Yes. And then you moved out here. Well, then I, Michael Pizer called me on a couple yeah. other gigs. I worked for um, in a French movie with James Caan, and then I worked in some other movie. How was he? You know what? We're friends to this day. Yeah. Yeah. That's good to hear. Yeah. He's solid? A, solid and hilarious, and w he's been a very stand-up friend to me all my life. That's great to hear. Yeah. Jimmy and, you know, Joe Pesci and... Yeah. Jimmy. Jimmy Kahn. Yeah. Joe Pesci. Yeah. Uh, Jimmy Woods. Yeah. These guys that I worked with through Marty, all of them have just been such stand-up friends to me. Yeah. I mean, they really make sure that I'm okay. And they, and they have for a long time. Yep. That's uh, that's great. Yeah. So Pesci, you talked to Pesci? Pesci. Chris Walken. Yeah. Who I've had the joy of working with uh, yeah. a couple times. Uh-huh. These are the greatest guys. Oh, that's so. Uh, that's nice to hear. Wonderful men. And and you're in touch with them. Yeah. Oh, and they're great. wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> wonderful friends to me. Yeah. And I guess that's hard to find. I mean, they just stand up for me. They really, really great. In what kind of situations is that required? You know, someone says is inappropriate in front of me or around me. They just tell them to shut it the <laughs> fuck down. I don't know why. Uh, uh, I, I still don't really understand the amount of shit that that smart, you know, talented, outspoken women get. Because it's on this show, like just for instance, you know, like it's happened when we used to have a comment board. Right. Where we'd, I'd have somebody like, you know, Chelsea Handler on, or I talked mm. to Jen Lawrence the other day. I, we took right. the comment board down, but only those guests right. just get this barrage of garbage people. Just fuck her, fuck that. It's you got, when you see that and you realize that the misogyny and the threat is so deep, it's deeply disturbing. You know, the threat, they're, I think these people are expressing how threatened they feel. Right. They feel threatened. It's something in themselves that they can't confront. Uh -huh. There's something in themselves that they can't look at, that yeah. they can't face, that hearing us or being around us or looking at us presses a button yeah. that makes them feel so threatened Yeah. that I would just suggest, you know, just sitting with it a little bit. Yeah. Just sitting with that feeling that makes you feel so threatened. Sit with that and see what's going on. Yeah, we're not in the age of sitting with things. No, we're in the age of just <laughs> spitting back at the person spitting like you back. did something to me. Yeah. You know, I don't think anybody, any of us are trying to make you feel bad. But if if it's hurting you, yeah. just the mere presence yeah. is hurting you. What in you is hurt so much? Yeah. You know, there's a salve for that. Yeah. There's someone to talk to. Yeah. There's things online you can look at. There's people that will talk to you and help you and make you feel less bad. Yeah. You don't need to yell at... Women. Yeah. Or your screen. Yeah. I mean, there's really love and compassion and empathy that you can actually have. Yeah. I don't know if, I don't know if everyone's designed to take it. 
I I know. That's I mean you know it's like I even myself I mean I know in myself I don't know if because I, I have a similar situation where I was always the kid that was uh, thought to have a shit together but like when people come at me uh, with love I don't always trust it. Yeah, I well, and nor should you. <laughs> I know, I know, but it you makes have to it... be discerning, and it's hard to be discerning about love. Yeah. Love is messy. Yeah, and people, all these like sweet songs and stupid movies and everything, yeah. don't tell us how messy love is. Yeah, yeah, it can get really volatile and is disorganized, it and it's so hard for me to yeah, chaotic I... and weird. And where's good? Does good come in? Is that on the list? Is good on? <laughs> I mean, yes, beyond good. Yeah. Good, ecstatic, astounding, uh-huh. yeah. blissful till your head hurts. Yeah. But at the same time... There's a price. Nothing's free, baby. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, okay, so we talked a bit about Basic Instinct, but what was the experience? And I love that you're friends with all these guys still. That's so nice. I don't hear that very often. I'm friends with Verhoeven. Yeah. Which, well, he, well, that, well, it, which takes some doing. Yeah, that's what I hear. He's a character, huh? He's complicated, you yeah. know? I mean, he's got a doctorate in physics. Yeah. He's got a doctorate in theology, uh-huh. though he has no faith. Yeah. You know, he's a, he's a complicated, fascinating, brilliant, difficult person. What's he been doing? He did this beautiful movie with uh, Isabella Huppert. Yeah. About uh, rape, yeah, which is um, which is extraordinary. I think it's called Her. Uh huh. Um, that won a lot of awards this last year. He did a movie. Uh, I think it was called Mrs. Stone, but in another uh, German. Uh-huh. Uh <laughs> That uh, was very interesting, particularly to me. Why? Uh, well, because the character had a lot of uh, things about it that were just particular uh-huh. to me. Uh, <laughs> that when I watched it in the theater, I really was... Uh, felt exposed? I felt surprised. Yeah. I was really? surprised at the theater. Oh, yeah? Did he write the movie? Uh, parts of it, clearly. <laughs> and so I just was Did like, you feel betrayed? I was... Uh, no. No, because good. no one but me would know which parts. Right. Oh, good. Yeah. Um, but Did you call him and say, what the fuck? No. Okay. <laughs> I didn't because I now, we're way beyond what the fuck. Okay. <laughs> what the fuck happened when I saw Basic Instinct? Right. Now <laughs> I um, have a much deeper understanding um, of the artist and the person. Mm-hmm. Um, and... He's really a profoundly dedicated artist mm-hmm. and uh, someone who I understand. That's great, and yeah. you have a and you have a creative relationship with him as well. Yes, like you, you he like he, there's a simpatico there. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have that with Scorsese as well? I think I do. I think I do. I really. Um, Man, you running <clears throat> up that driveway in casino. That's like, well, because he asked me, you know, do you want to do the the car? Do you want the stunt person? I'm like, to crash the car? I'm like, I'm living to smash this car. I really, I was so happy to do that. And when the bumpers hooked together, I couldn't have been more thrilled. Because um, that was really kind of what it was about. Oh, God. The smash up that hooked together. Yeah, right. 
And, and when, just, what did you say to him? You keep an eye on him. You're like, yeah, yeah I, I just got to be in the house for one second. It was just, it was a <sighs> wonderful experience. Working with Marty in any capacity is for me just an absolute pleasure. And I feel that way about Albert Brooks. Um, what you do? Oh, you did the Muse, right? Yeah. That, oh, that was—he's great. I'm yeah. nuts about Albert. I hope to work with him in any capacity moving forward. I so funny, and you can do comedy. That's a—you can do anything, which is great. Thank you. I Albert is—I mean, I can do anything with, with the right people. Yeah. I mean, I have to have people I can talk to. Right. You know what I mean? Like, you, and you trust? Yeah, I yeah. like to work with Judd Apatow because I get him. Yeah, he's brilliant and freaking funny. What'd you do with him? Uh, well, I have not, but oh. I did, I did, uh, he was Gary's very good yes, friend. Yes, And I, I feel like I would have a, I feel like I get him. Yeah. Who, Judd? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's just yeah. Sweet, uh, Sweet, yeah. smart. Yeah. Focused. Yeah. And likes, uh, and likes emotion. Yeah. He, he likes it. And he likes the happy part. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yay. He's, he's, struggling, he's struggling for the happy part. Yes. Fighting for the happy. Yeah, which I really... Yeah. Happiness is a discipline. No shit. And not a lot of people have the guts to discipline themselves to happy. Yeah, because the it's a it's a lot more easy and predictable to be shitty. Yes, you know what I mean. You know what's going to happen. It's the easy way. So here it's happening again. Yeah, like I said, <laughs> like I said, it exactly. would. Just like I told you this yesterday. Yes. Now we're in it. Yeah, and it's a little it's a little tedious. How did you get that? How like it's very hard to play uh, uh, up for a couple of days on cocaine. <laughs> I mean, like, you know, I'm just thinking about that. I still, for some reason, you know, you running into that house, you know, having, you know, been partying and just like not sleeping and because there's a, a thing that happens to your body. Yes. Where you're just, you kind of, you, you're, you don't work right. Right. And, and you, you did that. Yes. What I do to do that uh -huh. is that I don't eat. Okay. So you got weak. Yes. What I do is I, when I'm doing that on film, what I do is I is I stop eating yeah. and I drink diluted protein drinks. Uh -huh. And it makes my, because I have a very, very fast metabolism. Yeah. Like bizarre yeah. fast metabolism. And it makes my metabolism really crank up. Yeah. And I get really um, buzzy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Really like, yeah. really cranked up. Right. And really like yeah ah! yeah if i don't crazy. have food yeah. i'm not a person who if i don't have food i get right i just get wound up like right, i need right. to eat to settle down yeah right right <clears throat> yeah you don't get all like i'm about to pass out you no. go the other way yeah and when you work with uh de niro it sounds it sounds like you you're closer with pesci ultimately as a friend well, i really love bob yeah um and i so respect bob mm. And I admire Bob at a level that's almost a little bit unhealthy, probably. Yeah. yeah. But um, Bob is very, uh, his focus level is amazing. Oh, yeah. And there's no goofing around. Right. <laughs> you know, you're yeah. just in it. Yeah. Um, so I don't, I can't say that I hang out with right. Bob yeah. in the same way. Yeah. Uh, but the work is the greatest thing that ever happened to be with him working yes yeah it's fantastic yeah because whatever you give he's right there yeah and i loved that 
that constant, constant uh, in it. Yeah. Like you're in it. It's like you dive into the deep end of the pool and you stay there. Yeah. And I, I just love that. Yeah. I love the immersiveness of it. I yeah. love the, the profound, uh, deep dive. Yeah, yeah. So, with Shanling, he's another sweetheart that we yeah. lost. Um, you had you were good friends with him. I was very good friends with Gary, and we he was my boyfriend at one point a long, no, long time right. ago. That happened. Yeah. yeah, it was like we were all all the different things you could be. Yeah. He was like my boyfriend. He was like my brother. He was like my family. Yeah, you know, we were, we were very, very, very close. We wrote stuff together. Yeah, we worked together. Yeah, we were in class together. We dated. We, Roy was like our parent. That class must have just been amazing. Oh, did you have fun with uh, Franco on that disaster artist? I did. That was, I, I thought that was a good part. I did. And I'm appalled by this thing about him that's happening, where the girlfriend, I, I don't know how, you know, the girlfriend can say that she's offended that he asked for a blowjob while they're dating. Yeah. And now all of a sudden he's a bad guy. Well, I got to tell you, I've worked with him. I know him. He's the loveliest, kindest, sweetest, elegant nicest man most kind friend lovely professional i'm absolutely appalled by this yeah and what about you know the sort of broader idea of it i mean having been you know a sex symbol in this business for decades what were you up against well, I've seen it How, all. Right. There isn't any of it that I haven't seen or experienced. Uh-huh. I have found, of course, much of this behavior absolutely hideous yeah. and appalling, and there was nowhere to go with it. Yeah. Now that it's happening and that it can be curtailed, I think that's brilliant. Yeah. My approach um, at this point, I have confronted... A couple of the people. Oh, yeah? Personally? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Where How'd I, that go? I just said, you know, I'm not naming names and ruining lives. Yeah. But if I was, I would name your name and ruin your life. Wow. Um, <clears throat> and the response I've gotten has been interesting. You want to talk about it? I'm like, I'm not your mom. I'm not your nurse or your therapist. But if you want to think about it and you want to take responsibility for it, uh-huh. I think that you should. And then you can reach out to me and we'll discuss it. Huh. Um, <clears throat> so that's been the response. There's not. It has never. And so far, I haven't heard any response. Um, I don't know if I will. <clears throat> but you feel it off of you. <clears throat> I feel that I'm being responsible. Right. In a time when there's possibility for me to be responsible. Yeah. There was no possibility. You could tell people before, mm-hmm. and no one gave a shit. Right. So. Um, I don't feel like these trials without due process are entirely appropriate. Mm-hmm. I feel that it's appropriate that people have to take responsibility for the actions, but I do feel that some due process is in order. There's a range of activities, mm-hmm. and you can't charge someone with a felony over a misdemeanor. Mm-hmm. And there's some points where, you know, there has to be a balance here where this has to be heard in a rational format. So 
this isn't just black and white. And it can't be that every man who doesn't know what the fuck he's doing in life is is a criminal. Because a lot of people are just stupid. I can say, because I've been single a lot of my life, yeah. some men just are really incredibly stupid. Yeah. You go out with them, they bring you home for a goodnight kiss and grab your hand and put it on their penis. Yeah. And, you know, a 50-year-old man. Yeah. And you're like, you know, I don't think they're trying to sexually harass me. I think they're just incredibly stupid and awkward. Yeah. Like, really? That's your move? Yeah, yeah. Like... Real graceful. Like, you Sexy. Know, just yeah. please don't ever call me again. You're just too stupid to date. <laughs> you know, I don't know that I should ruin your whole life over that. Right. But I think you're just incredibly stupid. And crass. And crass and just, is that really Rude. what you think is a move? Yeah, yeah. You think that's the next thing after a kiss? Yeah. It's just so. Look, I tell you one thing, you know, everyone's going to be pretty well educated and, and pretty well boundaried. I think that that's the, that, mo that's the key. Yeah. That I don't think anyone ever told anybody. No, and, and, and also people got away with shit. But, you know, but it was, be honest, my mother, father, no one gave me sex education. No, I never got it. And, you know, you, you got to be told no and you got to be, you know, But if your shot, parents, your yeah. mother's not telling you how to deal with your own period, yeah. no one's explaining to you how to use a pad or a Tampax. Yeah. How is anyone telling that kid how to go on a date? Yeah. Nobody's telling anybody anything. No, they're all everyone's watching porn. Yes, and and then pretending that we're a prudent and purient society. Yeah. It's absolutely absurd. Yeah. It's a lack of education as much as it's uh that everybody is an animal and and should lose their job. Yeah. A lot of this is because no one knows what to do. When, you know, children, teenagers are giving birth in bathroom stalls because no one is telling anybody anything. Yeah. Uh, the best thing that's coming out of this is education. Yeah, absolutely. Um, do you... Okay, so what movie are you working on now? Well, uh, I'm going to do a film with Bette Midler, a comedy. Oh, really? Called The um, Allergist Wife that's just an absolutely hilarious script. Oh, that's great. Um, I'm looking at a variety. I'm getting sent television series all the time. I'm yeah. looking for the right one. Mm -hmm. um, just reading constantly. Reading what about scripts. Scorsese? Something happening? I... I did something with Scorsese. We're just waiting for him to get finished editing it. It's actually been a couple of years. We're just, it's just, I don't know. A He's, full movie? It's, yes. Uh, it's not the same kind of movie. It's mm. a whole different thing. Oh. And uh, so we're waiting. I don't know what he's doing because he, you know, he has so many projects going simultaneously that you can do something and then you never know when it's coming out. That's weird about movies, huh? And yes. Health is good. I'm feeling fabulous. I'm doing great. Thanks kids for asking. Good. My kids are gorgeous and wonderful and smart and funny and nice. And you seem great. You were great in that show. You're always great. It's Thank a real you. honor to talk to you. Nice to, to meet you. And I have one question for you. Why? How excited. You're the guy that interviewed Obama. Yeah, he was sitting right where you are. Yeah, and how was that? It's beautiful. He's such a good man. He's great. He yeah. was so like, you know, he was so disarming and, you know, grounded and human. It was It was a real trip. Smart. Very smart. And, you know, and I kept it off politics for the, I tried to, to sort of, because I talk about the people. As a person. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and because, you know, he's so smart. If you would have gotten to politics, you can get 20 minutes on, on something that's going to be very thorough. Right. So, but, you know, it was, it's great. Uh, I was very proud of that day. It was, uh, it was really something. It was In special. my brief opportunities to talk to him it's, and, and his wife, it has been my experience to, to feel that what a good, good man. 
It, it you do earnest and 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 intellectual and right minded and decent. Yep. Now, how do you like? Well, uh, speaking of that, how like some of your friends are are, are kind of very political, and yes, it seems like you know some you, of them are. Do you keep a? You just keep out of that? <clears throat> no. Like with the, a couple of the dudes that you talk to are very publicly political. Yeah, I I feel uh, I'm very interested. I find it to be an intriguing conversation, and I and I like discussing uh, politics. And of course, I've had the wonderful for working with Amfar for so many years. I've yeah. had the wonderful opportunity to meet politicians on a global level mm-hmm. and discuss political things. We've changed laws. We've worked a lot uh, uh, on a lot of a variety of different yeah. things and discussed a lot of different things. Uh, no, I think it's a lively, active, How intriguing How do you talk to James Woods about politics? Well, <clears throat> I mean, I I do not discuss this particular right. political situation. And I think at this point, um, we have seen that not a lot of new laws new rulings and new things have been actually been passed. Mm-hmm. We listen to a lot of uh, zingy ideas and tweets and Twitters, but you notice that not a lot of law is being made. Well, they're undoing a lot of things, but they may well, not Well, they be try doing. to undo a mm-hmm. lot of things. There's a lot of talk about undoing, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of talk about doing, mm-hmm. but there isn't a lot done. Yeah, just a, a lot of uh, a lot of uh, shuffling paper, and a lot of people getting angrier and more divided. Yes, and a lot of shutting down and building up. But mm. in reality, there's a lot of stalling, mm. and uh, scary stalling, scary stalling. <laughs> yeah, and so uh, I think if we really step back yeah. and look at the big picture, there's not a lot happening. <laughs> well, something's happening culturally that I hope we can sort of re-wrangle at another time. I like what's happening with these kids in Florida. Sure. And I think these kids in Florida are getting more done than anyone else. Yeah. And I champion them. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah finally, you, you know, it's a, it, that is something that is happening is that there is a reaction. There is. And uh, they are our future. Yeah. And I am damn proud that, yeah. of them. And that they're waking up. Yeah. Yeah. And that, above all else, is what I think is really happening, is that our future is awakening. Thank God. Mm-hmm. Nice talking to you. And you. So that was intense, right? Good. Uh, engaged. I learned things. It was it, it was um, a real uh, a real honor to uh, to be uh, locked into conversation with Sharon Stone for an hour there. I hope you enjoyed that. I'll play a little guitar. You like this? A lot of people are enjoying this weird kind of um, tricky. The, the pedal stuff, the phase, I'm using a Grand Orbiter. No, what is it? Yeah, Grand Orbiter, Earthquaker, and the Dispatch Master from Earthquaker. It's kind of a trick, but it does. Uh, it is. It is enchanting. So I'll do a little of it.